0: We're in Isaiah 53, and we're considering the suffering servant, and we're considering our life in the light of the suffering servant as we consider Jesus and how He lived. We should consider our own lives and how we're living, if we're living as servants of God. And so let's just read Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And the Lord, and the, though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering... He will see his offspring and will prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After, su- after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. I, therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Lord, thank you for this picture of Jesus. And Lord, as we um, just stop and and ponder this passage this morning for a few moments, may um, may we not be consumed only by the beauty of the words of the prophet. But may we be consumed by the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ, who emptied himself, taking the form of a servant on our behalf. And Lord, as we've gathered in this place, as we've placed our faith in him, we have life not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. So Lord, everything belongs to you. We will center our life around you. And Lord, we will look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith to shape our own lives in Jesus name we pray amen. amen well we've been looking through this and and without doubt it's it's probably one of the most beautiful passages in all of the old testament isaiah 53 and it's it's one of those passages that that, that I fell in love very early with in my life, that uh, it was one of the first ones I had to memorize when, when I was younger. And uh, the beauty of the passage is just overwhelming, and particularly for us who are Christians as we consider what this is an image of, that, that this suffering servant is not just any person, but it is God Himself. It is Jesus Christ that is described in this passage, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He has been anointed... Jesus has been anointed with suffering and death on our behalf. And so as we stop and consider, you know, we'll probably read it every week. I hope that's okay because I just like to allow the words of Isaiah to kind of wash over me just a little bit as I consider who Jesus is. And so we've been dealing with this considering our life in the light of the suffering servant and we used Socrates quote the unconsidered life is not one worth living and so all of us need to be considering our own lives wherever we are. There's not a point in your life where you can stop considering life and considering your values and and considering what's important and considering all these things and and, and the series is rethink. We need to rethink our lives. Not, Not just to find a new way of doing life. Not that just because if you find something different it's better i mean maybe all that we're doing is fine but but we need to take some time to consider life paul writes examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves and so in this series, we're rethinking our lives in the light of the suffering servant. And, and last week we went into Isaiah 52, which is a, a precursor or a, a preamble, if you will, to Isaiah 53. And, and some include Isaiah 52 beginning in verse 13 as part of the suffering servant passage. We won't read that every week, but, but we began with that. And the idea that Isaiah 52, 13 says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised up, raised and lifted up. And highly exalted, and we talked about the concept of wisdom and success. What what is what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to have success? And 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 the wisdom of Jesus and the success of Jesus is different than what our world classifies as wisdom and success. Wisdom and success is found in living the will of God. It's not about getting things done in my way. It's not about my power. It's not about what people say about me. It's not about the things that I achieve, but it's about the things I achieve for God. See, Josh has his leadership team in here, and I think they meet in the second service, and so, so they all have to come to the first service. They have to, they have to do church all morning, like I do every stinking week, okay? Young people, su- success is not finding your own way, but finding God's way and walking in it. Yep. Amen. Yep. I-, I know that's not, that's not what we always want to hear, <laughs> truthfully. But success is finding the will of God in your life and walking in it. And-, and I am here to tell you that every time I have found God's will and I've walked in it, I've never been sorry. <laughs> So we began with that last week. And, and this week we'll be looking at Isaiah 53, 1-2. through 2. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before Him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to Him. Nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. So he begins this, Who has believed? And, and this could be, this could be translated, who could believe? <laughs> Anybody ever tell you a story that you just can't believe? <laughs> you know, preachers always tell stories like that, and then they'll say, and this is the truth, right? You know, that's the old, you know, the rest of the things that we've said is not true, but that, little, that story there is true. Now, who, who could believe? And, and, and Isaiah is, is, is letting us know that what he's going to tell us here is beyond our expectations. That, that it's something different. That, that, that it's mind-blowing. It's mind-expanding. It's paradigm-shifting. Who could believe? Who could believe a suffering servant? And, and then he goes, he talks about that, that the arm of the Lord has been revealed. Now, now, this phrase, "the arm of the Lord," you know, I did all sorts of research, and 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 you, you talk about, you know, that the arm of the Lord represents so many things. You know, the arm of the Lord represents blessing, and particularly you talk about the right arm of God. This represents blessing. So you have this this great story in the Old Testament, and and I believe it is it is. It is Jacob blessing the children of Joseph, and they put the older one on the right hand and the younger one on the left hand, and Jacob does this. And Joseph gets upset and tries to to switch his father's hands, and, 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 and Jacob says, no, this is the way it's meant to be. The younger is receiving the primary blessing. And, and so with, with the right arm of God and the right arm of people, there is this ideal of blessing. And, and, and so implicit in the scripture is this ideal that we are seeing the blessing of God. But it also reveals the strength of God. That, that this, this tender root represents the very power of God. Let's put ourselves in an old testament mindset just for a moment. <laughs> you know, let, let, let's, let's forget, if we can, our understanding of Jesus and think about what Old Testament power looked like. You know, what was Old Testament power? Old Testament power was Charlton Heston, I'm sorry, Moses, <laughs> standing and going like this and cease parting, right? Old Testament power was Joshua causing the sun to stand still. Old Testament power was the prophet coming out of his tent and showing his servant the armies of God all around him. Old Testament power was, for the most part, you see some different examples, but for the most part, it was thunder and lightning and earthquakes and the world being shaken. <laughs> think, think what you think about even now when you think of worldly power. What do you think about? Yeah, you, when, when you think about worldly power, you think about strength. So, somebody that can, that can kind of force the issue. Yeah, when you think about power, you think about, and I'm going to date myself, Charles Atlas. Arnold Schwarzenegger? Who, who's the strong man now? So you, you think about, ah, you know, you go to the gym, you see power. It, it's not the guy working out with five-pound dumbbells. It's the guy bench-pressing 350 pounds. That is our, is that you, Leanne? Are you, you're the one benching 300 pounds? You're the image of strength? Okay, stand, Leanne. Leanne is the image of strength. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, Dave and Becky, let's pray for them right now. <laughs> show, show the next image, Dave. This is the image of Jesus. You know, a, a, a plant coming out of dry ground. <laughs> not, not, not something overwhelming, not, not something that would knock you back. But it's this image of vulnerability, of, of almost weakness. And the prophet Isaiah is saying, You want to know how the strength of God's going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed in a tender shoot sprouting out of the ground. The power of God, through Jesus, is being revealed in a different way. It's not typical. It's restrained. It's vulnerable. It's this power that empties itself, that lets go of honor, that lets go of force, and just... Philippians 2, 5-8. through 8, and we're, going to, we're going to do this as our responsive reading later in this service, but, but I love this. It, it, it's an old hymn in the church. It's probably one of the first hymns. This is something they, they, they sang in the early church. And Paul writes, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. (laughs) That is the image of godly power. Now, some translators, as they look at this verse, this verse could actually not, could be read... Because he was by nature God. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. Because. So, Pastor, why, why does that matter? Jesus is not revealing something different than the nature of God. Jesus is revealing the very nature of God. Jesus is who God is. And and God is not just this overwhelming force that wants to override your life. But God is this God of vulnerability and love that extends himself for us and to us. See, see, I think sometimes we get this image, oh, well, there's God, thunder and lightning and earthquakes. and, And just for our benefit, he's going to reveal to us Jesus. This is a different side of God. No. This same Jesus, this suffering servant, is revealing to us in the best possible way the very nature of our God. Hebrews says, God God has revealed Himself in many ways. He's used prophets. he's He's used all sorts of means. But in these last days, He has revealed Himself best in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you want to know what God's like? Look at me. I am the very essence, the very nature of God. And if you want to know the heart of our God, look at me. Our God is a God of vulnerability and openness and self-giving on behalf of other people. His power us he he is his nature is to empty his nature is to restrain so let's talk about our power okay so 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 if this is the nature of god if, if, if the nature of god is this this image that we find in philippians 2 if scripture's correct and, and jesus is the best revelation of god and we believe that right And this is how God uses power. The the question becomes, if we're going to be imitators of Jesus, if we're going to have the mind of Jesus Christ, if we're going to use our power in the same way that God uses power, that Jesus uses power, then this is important to us. Because if this is the power of God revealed, how is our power to be revealed? Our power is God-shaped when it's poured out for others, this is countercultural. Yeah, you know, as, as as we work through this, th- this is—it's countercultural, and in a lot of ways, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's something we don't really want to do because we like to have things our way and our power to do things for our benefit, for our family. Maybe not just you, but maybe your clan, those that are closest to you. And then, and then you just have to realize that, that Jesus didn't just come and die for those that loved him and were closest to him, but Jesus came and died for those who were sinners and far off. Came and died for you and me, and we didn't deserve it. And so maybe, maybe and I think we, we typically fall on this, that, that we, we don't become so self-serving that our power is exclusively used for our benefit, but it just, it just goes out a little bit further our kids, maybe our, you know, our parents, our brothers and sisters, maybe our close friends. And we begin to extend that power a little, a little bit, but not a lot. But God-shaped power. It extends beyond the ones that love you to the ones that don't. God's power It's not overbearing, it's not bullying, it's not abusive, but it's poured out for us. You say, well, pastor, that's fine. If I had any power, (laughs) anybody feel like that this morning? If I had any power, I'd use it. We all have some measure of power. You all, everyone in this room have some measure of power. Now, 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 you know, nobody in this room, I don't believe anybody in this room has the power of Donald Trump. Do you? (laughs) None of us have that kind of power, but all of us have various levels of power. Now, power just loosely defined as the ability to do or act capability of doing or accomplish something and and so all of us have areas where we can do something where we can act And, and so the question for today is are we using what we have not just for our own interest but for the interest of others as well It's not a question of how much power you have. It's not a question about how much power you want to have. It's a question of how are you using the power that you do have. So the question is, how are you using... Here's one area of power, your resources. Okay? We all have... Um, a level of money and finances and property and goods that we, we all have resources of some type and the question is how are you using those resources are those resources poured back into your own life or are those resources extended to others and as I thought through this I you know I I think there's a word that that one word on each of these that that can um can apply to give us habits that allow us to extend our power properly. And I think with resources, the word is generosity. That, that, that somehow, if, if we want to break, if we want to be show power and use our power like Jesus used His power, then, then then that means that with our resources, we're generous, we're open-handed, we're giving. What about your influence? all of us have influence of of some level. You know, there's positional influence. There's relational influence. You know, there, there's positions that you hold that you, you you hold some level of influence, and and positional areas of, of influence seem to be kind of in in our postmodern age seem to be kind of a dying thing. That it's less and less uh, about your position and more and more about the relationship. But but all of us hold you. Know, you, you work at a in a workplace, and, and you have people that that work under you, or or or, or you have kids and they obey everything you say. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> All of us have different levels of influence. And, and, and I, I guess I tried to think, well, what, what is, how do we use our, our positional or our relational influence? And, and I think I'd use the word service. Generosity. And as I thought about that, I thought about a parable, we read it, or a story, we read it a couple of weeks ago, and I had it in my notes when I prepared the sermon, but I thought, I just read that scripture two weeks ago, I'm not going to read it again, but it was the story of Jesus, and, and James and John, their mother, came to Jesus and said, hey, put these guys in authority, you know, one at your right hand, one at your left hand. And Jesus said, you know, you don't know what you're asking because on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus, when he showed his true power, where was that? That was on a cross. And I think what Jesus was saying, you don't understand what you're asking. If they want to be on my right hand and my left hand, they're going to take take two thieves' place on crosses and die in a few days. But then Jesus goes in and starts talking about power and then in response to power, he says, "Don't don't lord power over people. Instead, serve one another." Amen. Yeah, if you struggle with this, if you if you struggle with using your influence in an improper way, serve. Yeah, I love one of the. Um, principles Andy Stanley uses is he does for one what he'd like to do for all. In other words, he can't serve everybody in his church, but he he finds one or two people, and he doesn't have time to serve everybody. You know, there's other things he's got to do, but but he finds one or two people that he can serve. And so maybe you're in a workplace and and you're having trouble with this. find, Find one situation where you can serve instead of be served. And the last things are energy. All of us have a certain a limited amount of energy. Right? All of, all of us have a limited amount of energy. And when I think about energy, I think about gifts and, and experiences, th- those things that we can do. All of us have a limited amount of energy. And, and I try to think, what, what would be the word? Th- then I remembered we, we talked about this oh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about service, and, and John Ortberg talked about the ministry of interruption. And I love that concept because I believe our church would be transformed if we practiced the ministry of interruption. And basically the ministry of interruption is not being too important to be there for someone else. And what would happen in your life? And, you know, who has more things to do than schedule to do it, right? We all feel like that. What would happen in your life if you said, you know what, I'm going to close the schedule today and I'm going to help them? Can I confess, as a task-driven, vision-driven person, that is extremely hard for me to do. When I'm focused on a task, this morning I came in, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had added something to the sermon. Uh, we're going to do responsive reading. And I, and I really just got laid it on my heart this morning. So I wanted to get on the screen. So I've been working on it. And I, I, I come rushing back into the sanctuary to make sure that, that, that our, our great sound guys and visual guys have it back there. And, and I walked by Bob and Bob went, well, good morning, Pastor. And I went, and Bob just burst into tears. No, he didn't. But but we get like that, don't we? You know, it wasn't, I love Bob, and I appreciate Bob, and it it had nothing to do with Bob. It had to do with agendas can sometimes overwhelm our our willingness and our openness to God giving us opportunity to do something. And I even walked back and said, I'm sorry, Bob. Uh, I didn't mean to ignore you. So can you be interrupted? (laughs) When we live like Jesus, we allow God to use our resources, our influence, and our energy for others, and not simply for self-preservation. And when I say self-preservation, to some of you, self-preservation is more than just you, but those closest to you. And we allow God to use these things for others. So how are you using your power? Uh, God is calling us to submit our entire lives, including our strengths, to His will. Now, sometime this summer, we'll we'll be going through the Beatitudes, and the the Beatitudes says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And, And we'll talk more about that, but... Meekness is basically strength under the control of God. It's not weakness. And so Jesus is meek and Moses is meek. And we look at their lives and say there's no weakness in their life, but their strength is submitted to God. Barclay writes, it's like a horse under the control of a bridle. That's what God wants in your life. It's not about not having strength. It's not about emptying ourselves of any gift and any resource, but it's allowing God to use that.